course, want to get into the new album and the big festival that you're playing in California and yeah. uh, and learn a little bit about your band. But uh, let's let's kind of go back to a year ago, because certainly this pandemic uh, had a big impact on the on the plans for Ego Kill Talent for last year. Now that you've kind of released these EPs leading up to the full album of The Dance Between Extremes, but take me back to a year ago and when this pandemic kind of first happened last March. Yeah, I mean, it totally uh, changed our plans, uh, obviously, like everyone else in the world, but we recorded the album in 2019 and recorded at 606, the Foo Fighters studio in uh, in LA, and we were supposed to release it right at the beginning of last year and then tour all around the world. Uh, we had some amazing tours booked. We had the tour with Metallic and Greta Van Fleet, leading to the Denouimer festivals in the US, and then a big festival in Mexico, a tour with System and Fate No More in Europe. I mean, we had everything planned. And then when pandemic hit, we were like, okay, probably going to have to hold back a little bit because let's see what's going to happen. So we decided to not release the album back in uh, March of last year, but that was the original plan, right? So we just hold it back and we decided to slice it in three EPs. And we released the first in uh, June last year, the second one in November. And the third one that completes the whole album, The Dance Between Extreme, it was released uh, in March this year. So yeah, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. I mean, we had Lots of plans and had to replan everything. Well, it's good that some of those plans are finally starting to come back, but I wanted to go back, take us back to recording at 606 uh, Studios, Dave Grohl Studios. I imagine he had to pop in at some point, did he? Yeah, he did a couple of times, actually. Talk about that. Yeah, it it was surreal. I mean, we toured with the Foos and Queens of the Stone Age uh, in Latin America. I guess that was 2018. And that was already like unbelievable. We played five stadiums with them and Dave Grohl is everything you think he is. You know, he's really <laughs> nice, super cool dude. I mean, he really hugs you. You know, it's that kind of person that looks you in the <laughs> eye and, you know, and hugs you and talk with you about your life, your family. That, that's the kind of guy he is. So that tour was like a mind blower to us. It was like amazing. And recording at 606, man, I got to say, I mean, when we first stepped in there, I don't even know how to put in words. It's like you're entering the, the church of rock and roll, right? It's <laughs> right. like, it's, it's really like that. I mean, you look to the walls and then you have Nirvana stuff all over the walls, Foo Fighters stuff, Queen, Zeppelin, a bunch of crazy shit they have there. Not mentioning the gear. I mean, it's, they have every single amp you can think of. Every single guitar, bass, drums, drum kits, everything, and and they allowed us to use everything. So it was it was insane. It was like I remember, and we were there for like five weeks. We we rented a house that was like three four blocks from the studio. So like for for over a month, like we would literally every day wake up, have breakfast, and head to the studio and be there like till midnight, right? Every single day. I remember when I first entered there for the first time, that's, all, that's only when it hits you for real, that you go like, okay, this is really happening. We right. are here, you know? So I remember, man, when, when uh, the first time I entered the recording room, I felt like, okay, if my life was a movie and this was the last chapter, would be a, a hell of a great movie, you know? Because it's just, <laughs> I mean, everything we lived so far and, and then recording there, it was insane. And then, so we recorded, everybody 
I th- yeah, everyone from the Fools went to the studio at some point. Every, every, every one of them. And wow. we, in different moments, that was interesting. Never together, but in different moments, someone would pop up. And yeah, it was great, man. And Dave was there. He made us feel, made us feel super comfortable, everyone. And the crew, the, the 606 crew, it's like, they are awesome. They are the best. They really are. And yeah, it's hard to put in words, man. I'm- I feel very blessed. I'm curious if uh, you fell in love in, while you were in California. Did you fall in love with any California foods like In-N-Out hamburgers or Starbucks or anything like that that you fell in yeah, love with? Yeah, I got to say, I love California sushi, man. I love sushi, it. I mean, wow. We would go. So yeah, the, because it's different than everywhere else in the world. The car, I mean, uh, you know, I live in Brazil and the sushi here is great. I think, I think Sao Paulo, which is the city I am right now, it's the biggest Japanese colony outside of Japan is here in the world. But the California sushi, it's like, I could eat it every day, every single day. <laughs> I know that, w- that wasn't the, the answer we're expecting to, but it's just, it's true, man. It's amazing. I love, I love the honesty, but what's, what's your favorite? Was it a particular roll that you fell in love with or just the yeah. fish taste differently? Well, well, first of all, we don't mix avocado in the Japanese food in Brazil, and I love it. Ah. So that was already something special for us. You know, just having the crunch roll with avocado, the rainbow roll, Cali all this roll. stuff. What, yeah, we don't have it here. They, they just, I don't know why. They just don't make avocado with Japanese food here. But so we love that. And there's a restaurant called Katsuya. That yes. is amazing. Do you, do you know it? Yeah, I've been there before. Yeah, it's great. Uh, it's great. Actually, I was introduced to Katsuya in a very fancy way because it was John from System of a Down, the drummer. Oh, he wow. He took us there. Yeah, so it was, that was my first experience with Katsuya. That fried rice, they have the tuna, spiced tuna fried rice. Yeah. Oh, fuck, man, that's insane. We don't have it here. There's no fried rice and sushi here as well. So did you have it? It was really special. Did you have a Philly roll while you were there where they do the, the yes. cream cheese and the, and the salmon? Yeah, and also the hand rolls. We don't have the hand rolls here with the, with the soy paper. We don't oh, have wow. it here. And, and, and I'm not kidding. I mean, I would go like every other day <laughs> to any, a, anyone. It can be a market sushi, supermarket sushi. Okay, give me two. You know, it's like anything. Yeah, be eat it every meal, right? Breakfast, lunch, dinner, yeah. sushi all the time, 24-7. No problem. <laughs> no problem for me. <laughs> you know, I, Theo, I appreciate all the time. And, and definitely, we got to talk about uh, your live show. I was watching the live stream, and I, you got to take uh, – I've been trying to explain this to my listeners about how you guys literally switch instruments song to song, and I want to learn kind of how that started. Was it based on, like, who wrote what riff? Or, like, hey, I wrote this riff, so – I get to play. Oh man, take, it's take, crazy. take me through the process. It's, you're gonna like it. It's a crazy story. Uh, well, it's all very organic. And to tell you the truth, the dynamic of writing music in this band, it's so different from anything I lived before, like any other band I was in before, because it doesn't, we don't even remember who brought what for real. Like we had like different situations where I would say to Jean, you know, you wrote this riff and he goes like, no, 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 you wrote that. I was like, really? I thought it was you. Same thing with lyrics, <laughs> right? I remember uh, when we were recording this album, I, I turned to Jonathan. Uh, the, there was a, there is a song in the album called uh, Starving Drones. And then I, I just I heard uh, because the record the vocals recording process is like this with Steve the producer Steve Evitz when he's recording vocals it's only Jonathan the singer and him in the room no one else and then after they, they are done recording the whole band goes to, and, and listen to it 
and if if we think it's done, it's done. If we have suggestion, they change it, right? So the first time I was listening listening to Starving Drones, I was paying attention to the lyrics like right after recording it, right? And then I I turned to Jonathan and I go like, man, that's that's really strong lyrics right there. I mean, like really strong words and everything. And then he looked at me and he goes like, what are you talking about? You wrote that. I was like, really? <laughs> he said, yeah. So th- we are so organic. And so th- I think the reason is because we, we really write for the music. You know, it's not like, okay, I want to have my stuff in there. I want to have my guitar. No, it's, if, if it sounds good, let's invest in it and develop it, right? That's how, that's the dynamic we have. So, okay, so all this being said, to answer your question, here's how this all craziness started, right? Uh, Jean, who is one of the drummers, he used to play drums on Sepultura, right? And he left Sepultura and then he called me and he was like, what are, what are you doing? I was like, man, I'm, I'm nothing, you know? You want to meet for coffee? Say so, yeah. So we, we met for coffee, and then he goes like, you know, I just I just quit Sepultura, and I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. And I knew him because I used to have a band uh, that toured with Sepultura in Europe and Brazil. So that's how we know each other. And he was like, what's going on with your band? And I said, no, man, I haven't played guitar for years. I mean, it was just like I had, you know, I kind of gave up. And then he goes like, are you crazy? Let's start jamming. So. We start jamming and doing some like uh, drafts of what became songs for of the first album later on. So we just start jamming and and th- that's how it all started, right? Just me and him. And then we had a friend join the band to play guitar. So for like six months, we would be like two guitars and one drum. That that, that was like the beginning of Ego Q Talent, right? That was like the first the first version of it. Back then, we weren't sure if, if we would even have vocals. So it was just like just playing. And then Raphael, who is the other drummer, uh, he used to play in my former band, the band with, uh, with which I toured with Sepultura. So Raphael called me one day and he was like, man, Jean showed me some demos. I want to join the band. I was like, I would love to have you. You are my friends like since we were like 15, but... We already have Gian on the drums, so I don't know how, how you could join the band. And he said, you don't have a bassist. I can play bass. I said, really? And Rafa was an amazing drummer. And I was like, really? You want to play bass? He said, I just want to be in the band. So Rafa joined the band to play bass. And we, we were rehearsing like that for a while. And then one day, like a month later, Gian came to the studio. He grabs my guitar and he goes like, okay, I had this guitar riff idea. And then he, sh- he starts showing to me the guitar riff idea, right? And, and then he goes, Rafa, do you mind just jumping to the drums real quick just so we can develop the idea and see if we can make a song out of it? So Rafa went to the drums. I picked the bass and Gian is in the guitar. And that's how we, we, and then we play that song for like three hours like that. And then when we finished doing it, we looked at each other and we were like, this is sounding really, really good. Like, like as it is, should we just, you know, just play this song with this lineup? And yeah, let's, let's, let's try it. Let's embrace the challenge. And what happened then is that was a Pandora box we opened because from <laughs> that moment on, it was like, it doesn't matter. To give you an example, when we are writing a song, usually... It's like someone, some of, uh, some one of us is holding a guitar, or maybe two or three holding a guitar, and then we just we write the riffs. Jonathan brings some melodies, ideas, and then we try some stuff with the drums. And then at some point, we look at each other and we're like, "Okay, so who's gonna play what for this song?" Really, it's very much led by the drumming because Gian and Rafa, they are both amazing drummers, but they they have a different flavor, you know, a different spice to the drumming. So we kind of try one way. It might be a situation where we try one way and then we try another way and we go like, okay, you know what? It's sounding better you on the guitar and, and him on the bass or whatever, you know? So basically when we are writing, we are trying different stuff. And then there's a point we go, and some songs we immediately know, 
it, it might be a song that Jian brings the guitar riff and you go like, okay, you, you are bringing the guitar riff, but you gotta play, play drums for this song. <laughs> so, it, because we just feel it, you know? And then the way we decided, okay, that's how this song should sound like. That's the lineup it requires. That's how we record it. And that's how we play it live. So it's very organic. Wow. So whatever gets recorded is the way it gets worked out live. Yes, exactly. But you have to like keep a scorecard like in between songs to remember like, okay, wait, which instrument do I go to on this one? Yeah. Well, in, in the beginning, yes. Right in the beginning, when, when we are writing the songs, then we do. We kind of go, okay, who's the drums on this one? And it might be a situation, like I told you, it might be a situation that that's the lineup we did the demo with. But then we go like, okay, but should we try it with Gian on the drums? Or should we start with Rafflin drums and Gian guitars? And then we try it again. And we might just switch back or go like, you know what? Let's do it like that. And yeah, and that, that's how it, but, but it's a big challenge for the live performance because when we are writing down the, the set list, we got to think about the change as well, right? Yeah. So, okay, we can, we, let's try to, we always try to keep two to three songs on a roll with the same formation, you know, so there's not much changing between songs. And you got to keep in mind that we also have three different tunings. So, it's, it's a big puzzle wow. because when we are writing, like the, writing the set list, we got to think, okay, who is playing what and what is the tuning we are using? Because it might be a situation, okay, we have, I have three songs in a row in guitar, but three different tunings. So we got to change all the chords anyway, you know, all, all the strings anyway. So it's crazy. Wow. I, I'm surprised your singer isn't sitting there with the clipboard calling it out. All right. You know, Theo moved yeah. the bass, you know, yeah. calling everyone out to their position for each tune. The song's in the tuning of G or whatever it may be, like, you know, yeah. just helping it's it all crazy. get done. Yeah. And the, the, when we are rehearsing for, for tours or big festivals, we got to rehearse with the full crew because it's not an uh, easy task for the roadies either. It's like it's very, very tricky because it's not a situation like I have one roadie for me, you know, it's not like that. We have one roadie on the right side of the stage, another one on the left. And the roadie, they got to figure out which instrument they're going to give to whom in which moment. Because it's just, you know, it's tricky, man. It's tricky. Yeah, if they get it wrong and, you know, it slows things up even more, especially when you're out here playing like a big festival or something like the sold out Aftershock Festival in Sacramento this coming October. And I got yeah. to get into that a, a couple different ways. First of all, we got to talk about the band that you get to to open for, the Almighty Metallica. We are oh man, we are one of those old school radio stations. We still do mandatory Metallica every night at ten o'clock. We play three songs in a row from Metallica. So I want to talk some Metallica with you. Take me back to maybe uh, you discovering Metallica for the first time and and talk about playing that show with them and and what song you're looking well, forward to. Well, first of all, I love your radio station because that's how you should. That's how every single radio station in the world should do it right absolutely uh, metallica it's the most influential band of my life like it's definitely the band that i heard the most during my youth and my teenagers it was metallica for sure like every single album uh, i'm a huge metallica fan and james hadfield for me it's like that's uh that's my idol right there i mean i was like i met a, a lot of uh, famous musicians a lot of rock stars but when we heard we were going to tour with metallica it was like holy you're gonna meet james you know it's just like it's insane and we, i have a very nice story well to go back to your question, the story behind me meeting Metallica for the first time, it was a mistake. 
and it was awesome. I was uh -huh. like, uh, I think 12 or something. I, w I was listening to Guns N' Roses every single day, right? Appetite for Destruction, like every single day. And I was looking on vinyl. So I was like listening like every single morning before going to school. I would wake up one hour before before the, the school bus just to, to listen Appetite for Destruction and watching the, uh, like look, staring at the vinyl cover artwork, you know, just like going to the universe, uh, the Guns N' Roses universe. So I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta find a new band. So back then, I don't know if you remember that, but you would buy a, an album based on the cover, right? Absolutely. Like you would, yeah. So I heard Iron Maiden had great artworks. So I, I had this um, secret Santa at school. And then I asked, to, I asked, to, I asked for a, any Iron Maiden album, like anyone. And the girl who picked my name, she, I mean, she knew nothing about, about heavy metal or, or rock at all. And she bought a Metallica album thinking it was Iron Maiden. And <laughs> it, was the black, it was the black album, oh, like wow. with no artwork at all. You know, it was, it was the month that the black album came out. And then I, I was really disappointed because it was like, I was looking for an Eddie cover, you know, <laughs> right. like somewhere in time. And then I have this black, empty black vinyl. Absolutely nothing but on the cover. Nothing. But man, it changed my life. I mean, to this day. And funny, I was just listening to the Black Album like like an hour ago at, uh, when I was at the gym. But when I heard the Black Album, I was like, holy this it, it took everything to another level to me, right? That was my first contact with Metallica. And I remember right after that, I bought Master of Puppets, uh, Injustice for All, Ride the Lightning. And I was like, I became obsessed with Metallica. And, and then there's also a very nice story, which is me and Raphael... Here's how me and Raphael, who is the other drummer, there is Jan and Rafa playing drums and Eagle Q Talent. So Raphael, we first met in the Metallica concert. Ah. Metallica play, yeah, that's how we first met. Metallica play uh, Rio, Rio de Janeiro. And I was there with friends and we had a friend in common. And then I remember after the show, this friend of mine turned to me and he said, you know, a friend of a friend of mine picked up uh, Lars drumsticks. I was like, really? And then I want to see it, you know, I want to touch it. And then they introduced me. That was Rafa. Rafa Raphael, he took the, the uh, Lars drumsticks. And I was like, whoa, she got it. And then I was just like looking, staring at it. Wow. And okay, so we never met again. And then you fast forward like six months. I was looking for a drummer and I went to a record store to put an, a, uh, an ad there, you know, just like a band looking for a drummer. So when I entered the, the recording store, I saw the Metallica had just released uh, uh, SNM one. So I look at it and, and, and then I start talking with a, with a, with a guy in the store. I was like, Hey, is this, is this album good? You know, it was like literally the day of the release. And, and then Rafa was in there and we start talking about Metallica. And then I go to him, say, Hey, do you play an instrument? And he goes like, I play drums. So I gave him the ad. I didn't even put it on the wall. I just gave it to him. <laughs> and that was how, and then, and then just years later, we remember that we first met at the Metallica show. Cause like, I know you from somewhere. And then we remember that was the situation. So anyway, Metallica is part of our DNA, man. Wow. So it's going to be a real full circle moment being at that Aftershock Festival watching Metallica on the side of the stage. It will. It will, Mel. It will be insane. Pick a uh, Metallica song for us to play for Mandatory Metallica. What's your favorite Metallica song? And you can pick anything. Oh, I, I, I can say a favorite one. I like all of them. But uh, okay, so let's, uh, let's go with the, the one I was listening today on the Black Album. I struggle with Vin. 
Oh, that's a good one. And not one that yeah. gets mentioned all the time. Theo, yeah. I appreciate all the time. One other thing, though, I wanted to touch on. You were talking about having sushi with John from System of a Down, and I know you had yeah. played some festivals and stuff with them. Talk about that relationship. How did you meet those guys? Man, I got to say, the, uh, the System of a Down guys, they're awesome. Serge and John, they are awesome people. Like, really, it's hard. they are one of the best people I've ever met in, in the music business. They are super nice, and and the way we first met, actually, it was uh, I, they were playing Brazil and I knew their manager from a different situation, like not related to system at all. She sent me a note like saying, no, next month I'm going to be in, uh, in Sao Paulo with system because they're playing there. Do you want to meet up? And said, yeah, sure. So I went to the hotel to meet their manager, Bino, like as a friend. And then uh, there was a situation where Bino had to go deal with something. And John, the drummer, he I mean, it was I entered the hotel. It was Bino. Like, and we were talking, then John came and, you know, something, some situation came up that Bino had to leave to fix it. And then he was like, do you mind, you know, taking care of John today? Because, you know, <laughs> I was supposed to do that. And I said, sure, man. And me and John, we became instant friends we are talking like 10 years back. So we became friends right there. I remember John was alone in Sao Paulo. I think he had just broke up with his girlfriend. So I took him around and he introduced me to Serge like on that same day. And like I said, there's something in common between the Armenian and Brazilian culture. There's something in common there. There are things really? that made us connect. Yeah, I, it's hard to put in words, but it's something like the humor, the sense of humor, the kind of, you know, the kind of, of jokes and food and, and, and culture. There's some connection that it's weird because, you know, they are always like surrounded with Armenians, the whole crew are Armenian. It's the same vibe of, of being with Brazilians. It's something that, that happens there. And, and was actually, John told me that. He was the first to know Notice that? He said, Did you notice that? I said, Yeah, that's true. There's something there, you know. Weird. But that was how we connect. Yeah, and and like I said, they are all awesome. We were supposed to tour with them last year. We were supposed to do man like ten shows with them in Europe, <laughs> and, uh, and that didn't happen because of COVID. That was like that was a hard one to swallow. But yeah. hopefully it will happen soon, yeah. And great that they're playing and, and we got a couple new tunes out of them this past uh, year yeah. or so. So it's good to see some some more stuff happening with System of a Down. Yeah, man. I, 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 I would love to see a new album, man. I would love to. Yeah, make it happen. You're, you're obviously tight, yeah. you know. Just I, give, I give my pushes. I give my pushes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> do you like that? Do you have a favorite out of the two new songs, the Protect the Land or Genocidal Humanoids? Uh, I like both, man. But I think I like Protect the land and i like the lyrics yeah and obviously an important tune yeah very much theo i appreciate all the time just one last question for you since you have gone out and done some of these european festivals and certainly not this year or anytime soon probably but i always dream about going out to these european festivals because i always hear they're so much better than the than the u.s festivals if i had to go to just one which one would you pick what's the best of the best (laughs) of the european festivals Look, first of all, I got to say, we are doing European festivals next year. We are just confirming them. And you are my guest. If you want to go, you let me know. <laughs> if you want to go, anyone we are playing, I'm not kidding, man. You just, you know, just, I think it was Atom Splitter who booked this interview. Just let them know, ask them to talk to me. You are a guest. Really, I, I'm not I'd, kidding. I'd settle for Aftershock to be your guest and, and make the yeah. drive because I'm in California. Okay, cool. So for that too, for both. You know, there, is a, there, is, there, are, there are two festivals in Germany called Rock and Ring and Rock and Park. It's amazing. We play there once. Uh, it's very likely we're going to play it again next year. So I would recommend those because uh, it's something. It's something. It's huge. It's a whole day experience. 
and it's beautiful. Both venues are amazing. So I would recommend that. Even more than like Rock and Rio even. Uh, you know what? The reason I recommend them is because I think it's, there is a similar vibe. There is a similar, it, it feels like those are like Rock and Rios from Germany. You know, Rock and Rio, it's insane, man. It's insane. We played a couple of times here in Rio and it's, I mean, we're talking like a hundred thousand people. It's crazy. Yeah. I just watched the Iron Maiden videos and, you know, DVDs to see it. And it looks I was insane. there. I was there. You were at I, that I, one. I was, was that Brave New I, World, I right? There. Yes. Oh, I was there. One of my favorite albums from them. What a great comeback album that was. Oh, totally. We were so happy. We were so happy that that happened. Then three guitar attack for the first time. Too, yeah, which is that really cool. Was, that was that was killer. Sounds and like uh, Dickinson bag. It was insane. Sounds like your band with three guitarists and five bassists yeah. and yeah, we have everything, man. Yeah, <laughs> you have an embarrassment of talents and riches when you, you get the best of the best in the band. Yeah, uh, thank you, man. Beautiful. Thank you so much for the time, Theo. I'm glad we were able to finally make this happen. And uh, my pleasure, Mike. Best of luck with the album and the tour and everything. And hopefully, hopefully, I'll make it out to the uh, the aftershock and see you up there. Do it, man. Do it. I'd love to meet you in person. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Theo. Have a great day. Dude, you absolutely rock. Thank you so much for checking out the entire interview. Now just hit subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast, Radioactive Mike Z. My interviews in their entirety, available on all the major platforms. Tune in, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, whatever you're listening to right now. Just hit the subscribe button. Make sure to give me a follow on the socials as well. I'll follow you back at MikeZ967. And bro, don't miss the radio show. Now 10 p.m to midnight on 96.7 KCAL Rocks in the Southern California Inland Empire area, Riverside, San Bernardino County. Always streaming on live at kcalfm.com. You, my friend, absolutely rock.